Is it recording? Is it recording? Yes. All right, cool. Annie, do you want to read the intro again? <laughs> yes, I do. Okay. <laughs> Hi, I'm Annie, and my pronouns are she and her. And I'm Rose, and my pronouns are she and her. And we're here to provide some context about the bisexual experience by sharing stories, getting advice, and talking to queer people we like. And we have a guest today. Guest. Hi, Eric. Hello. Hi, Eric. Hi. <laughs> So Eric Garlington is the singer-songwriter in Proper, which is an Afropunk band from Brooklyn, New York. Um, He writes about his experiences growing up bisexual, black, and atheist in the Bible Belt. Oh my God, what a time. (laughs) What a time. We're so excited to have you here today to talk to us. I'm excited to be here. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, our pleasure. Eric and I met at the Bisexual Visibility Day event that um, we hosted at the Brooklyn Pride Center. And then almost immediately afterwards, we recorded an episode about music representation, um, bisexual representation in music. And it felt stupid that we didn't have you on to talk to us about that. Yeah, we felt very stupid. (laughs) We're here now, though. We made it. Better late than never. That is Rose, I was I was yeah. laughing because Spock keeps appearing in the corner of the screen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I noticed that. I fed him before our call because I thought Spock is my cat in case this makes it into the podcast. I don't want people to think I have anything <laughs> unusual going on. Um, I fed him before we started recording. I thought it would calm him, but he's very interested in what's going on. So okay, we're very interesting. Yeah, I could lock mm-hmm. him out, but then you'll just hear him, like, howling in the background. <laughs> oh, yeah. Same same with my cats. That's why they're yeah. here with me now. Yours seem to be, like, behaving slightly better <laughs> than mine. Give it time. <laughs> <laughs> they'll, they'll do something. I'm, I'm, I'm always on edge with them. They'll, they'll figure out some way to, to mess with me. Yeah, that's perfect. They always do. Yeah, I wanted to ask, actually, just to get things started, since we were talking about <clears throat> the episode on representation in music that we did one of the things that came up is um just how queer musicians seem to influence each other over time was there any particular sound or genre that you saw as a direct influence on proper when you started making this most recent album yeah like i wanted so i've been playing guitar for like Jesus, 17 years. So I was just like, I'm going to really get serious about practice and make a really like challenging album. And that didn't happen. <laughs> like, I just, I just can't. I, I grew up with prog music and like metal and like really technically difficult stuff. And I practiced for like three hours. But then, you know, I got an apartment and rent and a job and like right. life. So I was just like, I'm lucky if I could practice like once a week with my bandmates as it is. I just don't have the time at home. So like it started out with me wanting to be more technically proficient and do like I don't know how many queer people or queer voices there are in like the prog rock and prog metal scene so I wanted to do that but it just didn't happen so I just like my my, I guess my default influence would be like like Isaiah Rashad who's a really good rapper on TDE or like Say Anything is like the pinnacle who just I think was one of my first bands I ever bought a CD for and I was just like this is crazy so I was like let me just go for it and just focus on 
challenging myself as a lead guitarist, but like, I'm not going to play out of 4-4 time. Maybe I'll do some 6-8 time. But it kind of just evolved from that very abrupt change of pace. <laughs> I mean, I feel like I couldn't play a single Say Anything song they are, on oh my any God. instrument. So th- so. Right? They're like, they're like surprisingly difficult. Like I tried to learn um, Death From My Birthday, which is off of their self-title. And I was just like, this is hard. How am I supposed to sing and play this at the same time? It's not possible. So now I'm just like in a crisis about it. But yeah. It's hard to challenge yourself when you've got like bills and yeah, stuff. That's so true. Yeah, I like though that you had you set out with a goal not only to challenge yourself, but also like what's an area that you love that has like a lack of queer representation? Probably I don't know that much prog rock. Like <laughs> it's a lot of it's a lot of like Norwegian metal white dudes with beards down to like here. So, you know, it's th- it's it's a very homogenous scene of people, but I'm just not there yet, I guess. <laughs> not ready to jump into that. I'm going to say in like two albums, you're going to be doing some sweet guitar licks. Yeah, yeah. once we get to our experimental phase, you know, where it's just just completely crazy. Experimental to me is like five, four times. So first I need to get to that type of hurdle. But yeah, Sunday, just not on this album. But I'm so happy with how this album came out, so... I'm not like disappointed in myself. I was just like, I know myself. and I'm just not going to take the time to learn how to play in like 17-4. It's just not me. I mean, those are just like ludicrous numbers anyway. <laughs> <laughs> right? Like what do they even mean? Like it, it, it means nothing. I don't even know how to count that high. It's crazy. Yeah. And I think the album, which is called I Spent the Winter Writing About Getting Better. Um, I Spent the Winter Writing Songs About Getting Better. Yeah. I was so close. It's Wonder Years. Um, <laughs> nice. Nice. Yeah, yeah. I feel like um, it does a really good job of like being catchy, but also hitting on a lot of um, like serious topics. Thank so you. So maybe even better than the 17-4. Yeah, I'm yeah. It's like if, if you're already like having the struggle to listen to this crazy instrumental, you probably don't want to hear what I have to say on top of that. Like you're probably mad enough for make, making me making you listen to some crazy stuff. So it, it, it worked out well enough. But that was the end goal. End goal was just like catchy, but still with some actual like topics that I would like to talk about. So I, I feel like I've met that goal and I'm very happy about it. Yeah. So I, you mentioned the Wonder Years. And I recall when we met um, talking a little bit about that like early aughts scene. Um, I was definitely more in the pop punk side. Mm-hmm. Um, but it sounds like you were maybe more like definitely prog rock, but um, or even like popular stuff. Like I, I like I lived in Hot Topic, so like all those like Pierce the Veil, uh, Devil Wears Prada, like the the popular ones like Fall Out Boy and like All Time Low. Just not as much like pop punk, like hard pop punk, like strict line. You know, I was more on the pop side of the punk. Okay, but yeah, I, I definitely knew the bands. I just never really like went out of my way to listen to them. I guess. Yeah, I feel like it's such a wide spectrum that I'll be talking to somebody and they're like, oh, okay, so you must like love Senses Fail. And I'm like, yeah, nah, I like never made it there. You just can like live in these different corners um, of the scene. But can you talk a little bit about what your experience um, coming up and coming out in that type of scene was like? Um, so that was, let's see. So I'm also a military brat, so I had to like sit and think about where I was at that time. Um, God, 
My Chemical Romance and Fall Out Boy got big, what, 2003, 2002? Yeah. So I was in Alaska. So that right after that, I moved to Mississippi. And that was when, like, Warp Tour was, like, really hitting it. Everything was, like, punk goes crunk, punk goes pop was really popular. So for me, I was coming off of, like, my elitist uh, at-the-drive-in Mars Volta phase Person, i guess that kind of yeah and like realizing that like oh like poppy music can be good too what are the gorillas all about and then like that got me into like admitting that i actually loved fallout boy and my chemical romance so it was just like i loved those things but i was in mississippi in 2006 so it was like my prospects were were going right back to prog metal or death metal just like pig squeals and like blast beats which I guess they're fine, but they weren't for me. So it's like I would join those bands just so I could be playing music. But again, I was like the weird queer black kid. And I like, wasn't out to my family, but my, my friends knew. I was very um, not secretive about <laughs> my conquests, like trying to find other queer people in, in the scene. I like I would wear rainbow shirts and just be like, I'm queer. Who else is here? Like, let's be friends and like and try I'm here, in Mississippi. Identify yourself. <laughs> yeah, and it was it was always just me. It was like a it was like a whole just like mission, like like medieval conquest to find people like me, and it ended up not working because it's Mississippi. So it was really just kind of being thrown back into the closet and having to just like shut up and play bass for these super misogynistic bands, and then quitting, and then being like repeat processed until I realized the next band was doing the same thing. So it, it, I didn't really get to like come out and be myself until I moved to Missouri in 2009. And that was when like that stuff was kind of dying down. Or at the very least, like there were more options because I was near Kansas City, which was like population half a million, whereas Columbus, Mississippi was like 15,000 maybe if I was lucky. So like I just had more options as it was. But yeah, so it was kind of a gradual thing of just up and up and up until me as I am now, just being out and being surrounded by people and bands that are similar to me. So how did that inspire like the formation of Proper as a band, that that type of like? <laughs> oh my God. I mean, that's why, that's why it's an all black band. Um, I even like Proper, we, I was under an old name. Some of the songs from the first album are from that band. And it just wasn't the same when I would be like singing these songs about super pro black, super pro queer things, and like between songs being like bi erasure is is real, and I know you don't think that it that it's a thing, but like let's talk about it after the set, and then like but my bandmates were like straight white dudes who didn't care, they just wanted to be in a band, so it, it just I'm grateful for those experiences because it made me realize exactly what I wanted when I started proper, and I, like I moved to New York for music. So it was, it was good in hindsight, but in the moment, I was kind of just suffering through it. What, um, what's the inspiration behind the band's name, Proper? So we actually changed our name a year ago, and at first it was Great White, like W-I-G-H-T, because I, that was a name I had since I was 20, and I thought it sounded cool. And then I was just like, I want something that means something, and I don't have to like explain what a white is, because I thought enough people had seen Game of Thrones that they would just know okay cool it's a play on holy ghost but it's not i'm not religious either so i don't know why i picked that name mm -hmm. but so i was just like we were thinking i think we were throwing around ideas one day and i was just like proper like thinking about how growing up in predominantly white areas being a military kid they'd be like oh you speak like real proper hence our all of our ats are like real proper and they'd be like oh so one of your parents must be white because like you can't 
be all fully black and speaking this well. And it's just so, my bandmates went through the same thing. Uh, Natasha's from Delaware, Eli's from El Paso, uh, Lex is in North Carolina. So just being other black people that like non-black things, it's just like, oh, you're like really proper. You're not, I'm more black than you. So just trying to take it back. And surprisingly, it wasn't like taken. There was like a rapper who had it. And then he just stopped rapping 10 years ago. So I was just like, well, now we have to like get this name. This This is meant to be. And then like the period there for like my favorite bands like Let Live or Panic at the Disco where they do like an exclamation point. Didn't realize how hard that would be in hindsight. But yeah, long story short, just taking that like insult back and being, yeah, we talk really proper. And I love so it. What? I am uh, an outsider to this genre. Rose mm-hmm. is much more in the pop punk scene than okay. I am. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but I... I love that there's a tradition of punctuation after a band's name. I didn't know that. Yeah, it's just like, it's great. It's just, it adds something, I think. I don't know. Yeah, it does. Proper. Yeah, like, yeah, hard, <laughs> hard, hard stop. Proper, period. Thank you. Yeah, and all lowercase. Um, Are you all lowercase? Did I make it that de- up? It depends on what font we're using. For our logo, it's a capital P, but like, it, it just depends my wife does all of our graphic designs, so it depends on what she's feeling for a certain poster or flyer or something like that. Yeah, I feel like that's another uh, tradition. The album title felt immediately familiar to me. I was like, oh yeah, this like this feels like it's gonna be right at home. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, like that, or like the really long song titles that like Fall Out Boy and bands like that used to do. I was just like, yeah, let's bring that back. Yeah, like just a full quote from a movie for yeah, the song I title. Love it. Yeah, and I don't know why, but I love it. Same. I always, um, when I was in high school, I like r- really loved Rushmore, and then getting the Fall Out Boy album. Oh, yeah. and I was like, these are all Rushmore quotes. This band rips. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it felt like it was like another like inclusive way to be like this band gets me. You know, like you wouldn't think of like a pop punk band would know like my favorite like Charlie's Theron movie or something. It just makes you feel more included, I yeah, guess. Yeah, yeah. You're like, oh, they, they wrote this for me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it very yeah. much feels that way. There's something about the, again, I'm a total outsider to the pop punk scene, but there is something mm-hmm. about that genre that seems, the music seems very personal. It's like, I don't know, on the on the episode we did about musical representation, we talked about how... You know, when there's representation on TV, it kind of validates stories about people's lives and says, like, this is a valid way to live. This is normal. This is just people's Mm -hmm. lives. And music kind of validates the way people feel. Um, At least that's that's what I get out Mm -hmm. of music. Absolutely. Um, And I think pop punk does a really a job that no other genre seems to do, which is like validate intense sometimes like frustration uh or sometimes despair i found i don't know again i'm an outsider i don't know but it's like um a lot of a lot of pop music seems kind of vague and pop punk seems to get like really personal i don't know maybe oh yeah absolutely not true no i agree it's like like indian emo and pop punk like like, I don't listen to Bright Eyes because I, like, 
you know, I like feeling like shit. Like it's the saddest songs ever. And I'm just like, oh, someone else feels this way. And now I'm also going to cry. Right. It's, you know, it's not like, yeah, pop is very vague in that way where it's like you have these empowering anthems, but they're not really saying much when you think about it. Right. It's just like, oh, I feel empowered. But to do what? Was I just sold like capitalist empowerment? Now you just feel worse. Whereas like pop punk and emo and indie, like it's more... Like I'm reading someone's diary and it's like, well, here's mine too. And you're passing it around and it feels, it feels more genuine. Right, exactly. It's like reading someone's diary. That's a great way of putting it. Yeah. We talked about bright eyes on our, on our music representation episode. Cause like. Love, 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 love. (laughs) Yeah. It was, it was fun. That was, uh, it brought up a lot of memories for me. I had not listened to bright eyes in a minute. (laughs) You know that bright eyes announced a tour like almost immediately after we recorded that episode oh, really? I didn't yeah 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 oh yeah. Did, actually yeah, they're doing like a full reunion i think you yeah. said that uh did you end up going to their show um it's not until june but i do uh, have a bunch of tickets okay. <laughs> yeah, I, need, I need to get my tickets still i've got an extra if you can't find one from not like oh my god um a robot on facebook who's clearly gonna right that's you. that's all i've been finding yeah yeah spot the bots and scammers i was talking yeah. i uh was talking to my boyfriend about that episode and he said he like distinctly remembers going to the the record store to buy the album that lover i don't have to love was on and he like still knows all the words <laughs> oh my god um uh get lifted the story stories in the soil that that album yeah that's a, that's still a perfect album yeah. yeah it it truly is and i think i asked my dad to drive me to the tower records next to the mall oh to buy the bright eyes record like two days after it went out which is yeah. about the most jersey <laughs> sentence i can say <laughs> oh that's so sweet like yeah, it's funny because you've mentioned so far like a few, um, like Max Bemis from Say Anything mm-hmm. uh, came out as queer recently, and then yeah. Brendan Airy from Panic at the Disco oh, is bisexual. Did. Yeah, I forgot about that. So yeah, there's definitely, I feel like some key people in this kind of like corner of music, but not enough. Yeah, yeah. It's always like I realized in hindsight, like how I realized growing up that my favorite bands were at the drive-in, which is a Spanish band, Code and Cambria, which is a Spanish band, or like, you know, Fall Out Boy, Pete Winch writes all the lyrics and he came out as by like 15 million years ago. And I'm just like, in hindsight, I was like, oh man, I've been kind of writing for this specific team longer than I even realized. And it, it feels really cool to be like, oh, all these people that like had such an integral part of my life we're on the same team where like I feel even more included now yeah it's interesting I wonder because I noticed that too when we were talking about like early music we like I was like oh I've gravitated towards these people and mm-hmm. turns out we have this one thing in common so interesting <laughs> right just like didn't even know a 12 year old me was just like I love this song and now like I'm just like oh yeah. that's why I love that makes song like, <laughs> it makes way more sense Yeah, I feel like that's true of so much where you're just like, oh, that was super queer. That's why why I wanted it. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I was like listening to the album and I like like what you were saying about how sometimes pop is super vague in their like get pumped up about stuff. Mm -hmm. I like that your lyrics are like Mm -hmm. not like 
explicit in like a pornographic way, but like you're talking about like having sex with dudes and like using grinder and it's not, I feel like even now some, um, like a, at least like female bisexual artists, it's like, girls touch girls <laughs> like girls girls i like girls <laughs> and you're like all yeah. right like there's only only a certain like level that we'll push to um so how yeah. like how does it is it like sorry that i just said like 90 times in a row also very jersey <laughs> um d- did you always write about your experiences in such a vulnerable and open way? And if so, how's that reception been? <sighs> um, no, not really. I guess because the first album came out 2017, but I wrote it. So I just turned 29, like literally yesterday. So I wrote Happy the first birthday. album. Um, thank you. Thank you so much. I'm almost 30. Hey, but um, I, <laughs> I wrote the first album between the ages of like 20 and 25 so like very much still in the middle of Missouri very much still my early 20s and um not as comfortable and then like the second album I was just like like fuck it like why why not as I've always been told like I'm like explicit is a good word I, I just think that you can say blunt and sometimes vulgar things and it still has a beautiful context to it so the whole point of this album is like I want to find the beauty in vulgarity, and I think that I didn't want to sugarcoat going on dates with men and my wife and I being in an open relationship and like the dynamics of that and like how how weird just being alive is. I was like I could be like romanticize it and have this whole thing, or I could just be blunt and honest because that's just my writing style as it is. Cause I had a whole crisis about like, how do I tidy this up? Cause there's a song where the first line is Darren said I gave the best head he ever had. And like, I spent so long trying to be like, how do I like, how do I straightify this? Or how do I make this palatable to my straight friends and my family? And then I was just like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm just going to do it. And then like, I'll send my, my family the album and I'll give them the disclaimer. And if they don't like it, I I'm almost 30. What do I have to lose? I, Fuck it. So I just did it. And I'm glad that I did because I don't think it would have been the same album if I it would have it would have been disingenuous of me to to cover it up and like make it pretty, so to speak, just to make my parents comfortable. Like I'm too old to worry about what my parents and brothers think and hold myself back artistically, especially with the shot that we had. Like we signed to this label right before we were going to start writing the album. So I was like, I, I can't half-ass it. I need to just be myself because some people do need to hear this that aren't as comfortable as I am with being themselves just yet. That's a great sentiment. And it is kind of the joy of getting older. It's like, yeah, fuck it. What do I have to care about this? Why did I ever care about this? (laughs) Right? Like I'm the first one to get married. My parents, they can't be disappointed for another 10 years now. Like I have nothing left to prove. I've won. Yeah. Yeah, my mom's still patiently with it. <laughs> oh my god. Right? Isn't that the most like annoying thing? It's just like, look, if you keep if you keep wanting it to happen, it won't happen. Just leave it alone. Well, you know what? Now she has the joy of me marrying a woman, maybe, so <laughs> Hey. <right>? <laughs> Good for her. Twenty twenty, <laughs> we're going big. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that's so awesome and like what you said 
like you're doing it for yourself, but then it also has the impact on other people who maybe aren't artists or making anything to put out in the world, but like having that, like, oh, if proper can talk about this kind of stuff, why can't I talk about it? And I just think that's really awesome. Thank you, thank you. And that's definitely been like, the reception luckily has been good um, for people being like, I heard this and I was just like, why am I hiding myself? Why am I, I was like, I need to talk to my parents. I was just like, I don't know about that. Maybe like, Former game plan first, but it's cool that that, that I've inspired you to do, to even think about doing that. So it's like it, it, the reception's been good. Uh, if anyone's had a problem with it, they haven't told me, and I don't care to hear what they have to think anyway. <laughs> yeah, you're like take it to the dregs of the internet and spew whatever you've got to say <laughs> negative over there. Right? Yeah. See what the YouTubers and redditors think. That'll be. That's always fun. <laughs> uh, yeah. No. Yeah. We've talked about before. Stay away from the comment section. Yeah, so. yeah. I have such a bad habit of not doing that. I'm trying really hard. <laughs> yeah, I do, I do too. 2020. No comment no section. It's 2020. Get rid of it. <laughs> we should make a, a like app that Blocks. just gets rid of the comment section yeah. on every Yeah, <laughs> be our billion-dollar Chrome extension idea. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Oh, I, do you want to tell us a little bit about the songwriting process? Because we've already talked about like some of the content, but how do you start and then end up where you end up? So usually I'm very much, I don't like just pick up a guitar and start noodling until something comes to me. Like I have to have an idea in mind. Like it's kind of robotic and it makes me feel very much not like an artist. So like for this album... We were just like, all right, we, we, we just got on, on a BSM, uh, Big Scary Monsters, our label. Uh, let's start writing. And I was just like, all right, before I even like picked up the guitar, I just I already had the album title. So I did that, and I just wrote like 1 through 16, and I wrote what every song would be about, and then whittled it down to 14 that are actually on the album. So like, I already have this idea, and I'll like between albums, I'll just like have a line pop into my head, and I'll just save it on my phone. So like I have the idea in that little placeholder and I'll go through and see what line is relevant to that. So then I do that and then I'm just like, all right, what haven't I done as a guitarist? I haven't played like a C sharp minor seven. Let's throw that into a song or like I'll, I'll listen to a bunch of R&B and learn a chord progression and then be like, OK, I, how do I make this into a punk song? So um, Lime Green Jericho, for example, uh, do you listen to Mac Miller? Either yeah. of you? No. <laughs> okay, so um, he has a song called Oblivion. It's off his second to last album. And like the, I, the chords are just really pretty. I was just playing that. And I was like, well, what if I use these R&B chords for a punk song? So it's really intensely hard to play, and I regret it sometimes. But like just trying to challenge myself. And then I'll just start with the song, write it, get it done, record like a little video on my phone or something. And I'll upload it to the band Dropbox so that my bandmates can see it. And then we usually practice every Thursday. So then we'll get to practice Thursday. Natasha, who is very particular, will be like, I wrote this, this, and this. Let's let's whittle it down. Eli's like, I didn't watch the video, but I'm just going to do some stuff. And it, it, then we just kind of like meld it all together, <laughs> take out the parts that we don't like, or we're like, oh, let's do this twice. So like Eli has his time to shine and like do this crazy drum fill. Or like for a specific song, I'll be like, Tosh, I want you to really take front and center. I envision a really big bass line and you should just go for it. So she took like a week, wrote like three different things. And I think she ended up using like all three of them because why not? And then so we kind of just like it starts with me, coalesce into a group. And then I'm just like, 
imagine that you're in the outro credits of an anime like Evangelion. Now play. And then luckily they know what that means because they've known me long enough. <laughs> <laughs> so it used to be pretty confusing, but, but now I'm just like, or imagine you're underwater and you're trying really hard to get to the surface, but then you realize that you've been swimming down this whole time and you're doomed. And they're just like, okay, and then they do it. So it, it starts out as just me, but then it gets really, really, really collaborative really quickly. And it's a lot of like, so I used to be like, this house going to be played, that's it. And then like meeting these people who like get me and they get what I want to do. It's like, well, let's try this instead. And if you don't like it, we'll go back to the thing. And it's like just really easy to work with them now. So that is the process. Oh, you guys have a down pat. Yeah, it's really it's really fun. Like it used to be like kind of work. And now it's just like, all right, guys, what are we doing? I don't know what I want to do here, but I know I will have this vibe. And then it just like, I got you. So it's really fun. Like I like I lucked into the perfect bandmates that are just like, they just get me like to like my molecular core level. So they're just like, I don't know how to say this word, what I want you to do on drums, but it's like this. And he's like, you want, you mean a D beat. And it's like played like this. And I'm like, yes, that's what I was trying to say. And he'll just know. That's great. Is there a song yeah. on this album that came out it, that was particularly easy to come out? You all like understood right away. And was there one that was like difficult? Difficult. Um, so easy ones first. Surprisingly, a lot of them were pretty easy, especially after we'd gone through the first album, which was like 12 or 13. Well, I think I wrote 14. We only recorded 12. So it's like after they got my like specificities and how like I like do like this thing off this R&B song and I wasn't trying to reference another punk band. They'd be like, OK, I get now that you're not trying to copy the Wonder Years right here. You actually have a different thing that happens to fall into those two things that mesh. So easiest, I would think. Probably ASAP Rocky, also because it's only 90 seconds long, but ASAP Rocky type beat, it was just like, it immediately clicked. And I can remember the first time we got the ending part down, which is a D beat, which I don't play because I don't play that kind of hardcore punk stuff. It was just, we just had a holy shit moment where it's like, this is going to be a great song. And then um, probably no loitering. I think Eli really was just like, I hear it because that was an older song that was going to be on the first record. And I was like, well, let me just see how it sounds now. And I just, it was his first time hearing it. And I was just like, no, no, like 20 year old me wanted it to sound like this. But he was like, no, like, I think you should just listen to this though. And it came out way better, way better. And then like the, Tasha's bass parts on art school, she did some stuff that was like, what's the word? Um, a atonal, it's atonal where like, I thought it was out of tune. Then she's like, no, no, like, just like sit back and listen. Like, I promise you it actually will work. And I was like, oh, wow, like that actually works really well. And it just fell right into place. And like, I think we wrote this album over six weeks and we had like three practices and it was just done. But probably the hardest was definitely Lime Green because I, um, I rap in it, which has never happened. <laughs> and I rap, over, <laughs> I rap over three looped guitar parts. And, and <laughs> so it goes from like a really hard like emo beat, like a triplet to a disco beat, which is like boom, snap, clap to an R&B part where I'm rapping. And like it got it like we started that song. Actually, we I taught them the part and then I just did the lyrics in the studio. So they never even heard what the vocals were going to be. So they had to write as if they knew what my melody was were going to be off of the scraps that I gave them. So it took a long time. I think it was the last song to get done or second to last, but it turned out really well. And I definitely want to try more challenging things now that like just seeing how well they took that on with a half formed idea. 
because we wrote the album and then we left for our second UK tour. And then two days later, after getting back, we went straight into the studio. So we very much had to be like, what was that part? What is the song called? What's the title? We're 30 <laughs> seconds in. What am I supposed to be doing? So they, they just for that song, it was it was a challenge. But but they, they figured out and they, and they kicked ass and it sounds really good. Yeah, I know um, when we met, you were just leaving for the U.S. tour. Yeah. Um, cool. Yeah, I don't. Is there anything you want to talk about that you didn't get to talk about? Um, there's a really cool burgeoning like scene of, of people of color making indie and alternative and co- even country and punk and emo music, and it's really cool. And it's I'm really proud to be a part of it. Um, when we left for tour, we were touring with this band called Mint Green, uh, who you met, Ronika. They're up in Boston. And yeah, yeah that whole tour, uh, the first leg was with uh, a rapper. So we were just like, why did we have to only tour with, with other emo bands? Let's just see what happens. But like t- touring with rappers and people of color and queer people of color in this scene, it's really cool and it's really popping off right now. And I just want to just shout out all those people and put that chakra out there that it's a thing, it's happening, and that everyone should be checking those bands out. Uh, our tour was was all black, even the local bands were black or queer, people of color um, on the spectrum. We just make it made a point to not play with straight white dude bands, and it went really well. I think if we can do it, you can do it, your friends can do it, everyone can do it, and it's a really cool thing that's happening. What are some of those bands that people should check out? Oh my god, there's uh, Mint Green, there's, there's Alfred with a period also, they're the rapper from Virginia that we did the first leg with. Um, Cloud Walker is his friend and DJ and also a fellow rapper from Virginia. Uh, Bay Faction, who is amazing. The best boys, just great. Um, there's, oh, there are too many to name. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cap it at that or else I won't stop. But there are just so many good ones. Like my whole thing, is I almost, I'm always like, oh, let me make you a playlist. So I just have like lists of bands that, like for no reason. But there's so many good ones all across America really doing it. Uh, Party Fridge in Kansas City is killing it. Shouts out. Um, yeah, amazing bands. We'll put links not only to Proper, but also to all the bands that Eric just mentioned. Yes. And if Eric wants to make a playlist for our listeners, we can put that link in there too. <laughs> I mean, yeah, just I, I just might. <laughs> I probably have one ready to go, honestly. Yeah, just share your playlist with us. Hell yeah. Any advice for, for a queer person of color trying to get into music or become a musician? Don't let people tell you that you can't because it's going to happen, um, especially if you do read the comments. <laughs> They're going to let you know <laughs> yeah, that, that you're just, yeah, don't read the comments. They're just going to say <laughs> that you're doing it for sympathy or playing some type of card or whatever. But just get past that. Set yourself with, up with like a great team of people, whether that's photographers, videographers, bandmates, even like your driver for a van. It makes such a difference if it's someone that you know has your back and can relate to you and that they're like, they, they follow the same like mantras and, and, and rules that you, that you hold yourself to. And just take your time, I guess. Like I now, now we live in a time where anything can go viral on TikTok. Like me, having been playing music for 17 years, I'm just like, man, I'm almost 30 and I still haven't, I'm not Madonna famous, which is ridiculous. Just, you know, take your time, be excited for the things that you have going on and just have a good team around you. That's great advice. Yeah. Thank you. Is there uh, any advice for maybe someone who's growing up in a place where there's not a lot of queer 
people around or queer representation around? Yeah, how do you find yeah. that community? Yeah, it's actually something I think about a lot because I, I kind of did just up and dip from Kansas and Missouri and just came to New York. But it's like, I tried. I tried to like make, build a scene based on like queer ethics and, and non-capitalistic thoughts and, and practices. And like, I just would say that try as hard as you can get for like six months, maybe a year. And if that doesn't work, then it's just, you, you, you can leave, but you could say that you tried. You tried to, to make that change and enact, enact those people and hold them up. And, and you tried and it feels better than just being like, I'm gonna go, I, but I didn't even like give it a shot. So I was a part of the Kansas City scene for like six straight years, just trying to get other people like me on bills and, and having shows at my house with people like me. And I'm glad that I did it, but it didn't end up working out. Like it's way better there now, but definitely just trying and then like have an exit plan. But just like, it, you know, if you want to leave, that's fine. Just know where you want to go. Don't just like up and dip without a plan. Really good advice. Yeah, it's okay to, it's okay to leave if it's uh if it's not working out, I'd say that's key. But yeah, I think it's, it's always. Yeah, you don't have to suffer through anything. Yeah, we all have one life, and like, as much as you want to make an impact on the community and try and improve things, it's like, if it's not budging at the time that you're there, like you just said, Kansas City's much better now, and I'm yeah. sure that even though you weren't there to like see the fruits of because your labor, of, it's like yeah your efforts yeah i'm yeah. like i'm still Lay very proud work. like all the people that that still are there that like i left behind that are just like i'm telling you man it's so much better now and i'm just like good like i couldn't do it but i'm glad that you yeah. did like that's the whole point of like yeah punk trying to enact change and if you can't trying to lift up someone who you think can't yeah i like that dan savage used to have yeah. this thing i don't know if he still says it but he used to be like gay people need to move to every like small town in america we need to spread out and infiltrate oh, yeah. america it's kind of like not if it's not if it's not healthy yeah. like not if you can't be happy yeah or unsafe so i don't yeah. know yeah yeah it's really like it's it sounds good in practice but it's hard to right. enact like you don't need to pull your hair out for, for a cause that that is yeah. not ready to be a yeah, cause exactly. yet i learned a lot Thank you. Same. This was a, this was really cool. I um, I had like a very brief podcast phase when I was like a hardcore staunch atheist, and I was just like listening to how to debunk Christian one on one because I was that asshole, and now I'm not that asshole. But and I'm just like, man, I forgot how much I love podcasts. And I love like hearing people talk because all I know I've been out of the game so long that all I know now is is uh, Joe Rogan, and I know I don't want to listen to that. So it's great seeing. Just being in this band, seeing how I've done, yeah. I think it's my third podcast, just seeing how many others there are and like how many more that I would actually feel represented by. Like, it's really cool. This is amazing what y'all are doing. And I, and I stand so hard. <laughs> That's good. Oh, thank yeah, you. Yeah, it's, uh, it's fun. <laughs> yeah, it was so exciting to have you on, um, especially just like to speak from a perspective of like, growing up in the South and being a musician and like being black, those are all experiences that we're like, I don't know, somebody tell us. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's weird. And especially all the people that have reached out, they'll be like, hey, I'm from Houston, Texas, or I'm from Virginia and I'm moving to New York this summer. Like, I know like this is a long shot, but would you want to hang out? And like now those are some of my best friends here in New York. So it's great just putting that energy out there and seeing it 
being returned in that way that I didn't expect. Like I didn't I love that. So you're trying to put your phone number on the podcast, right? Yeah, Just oh, let yeah. everyone everyone one eight hundred call me right now, let's kick it. <laughs> well, great way to try and connect would be to go see Proper Live. Do you want to plug your social media stuff and then everyone can go follow you and get all the updates? Yeah, so everything is at Like Real Proper. So Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, I don't know what our YouTube is, but we have a YouTube. But if you if you follow any of those, you'll find it. But yeah, LikeRealProper.com. Um, yeah, that's where we are. I We're new to Twitter within the last like 10 months and me as a human being on Twitter. And I really love it. It hasn't gone bad yet, but that's where we're most active. If you want to, if you want to say hi, find out what we're up to. I'll be there <laughs> kicking it. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. We'll put all the links in the show notes. Yeah. Do you want to do the, we do a very, very silly sign off. Um, Especially silly because if we're not all in the same room, it never syncs up. Okay. <laughs> but we we say goodbye from the goodbyes. <laughs> yes, let's do this. But we say it. Don't don't mislead Eric. We say it like goodbye okay. from the goodbyes. <laughs> okay. So usually we do okay. a countdown. I can try. It never it never helps. I have to sync all this later, and it's like it doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. Hysterical. <laughs> okay. Yeah, let's try it. Fuck it, let's yeah. do it. Okay. So goodbye yeah. from the goodbyes. <laughs> ready? Okay. 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 Yeah, I'm ready. Three. Let's do it. Three. Two, one. Goodbye. 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 Yeah. Love it. I thought it was pretty good. So fun. Yeah, pretty good. <laughs> not, not our worst. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely not our worst. What's the uh, the Bojack George Bojack Horseman joke? Uh, we'll fix it in post. <laughs> we'll fix exactly. it in post. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. This podcast is based exclusively on the real-life experiences of two bisexual cis women and their internet research. Sexual identity is deeply personal and influenced by intersecting identities, demographics, and circumstances. Rose and Annie do not speak for the bisexual experience of all individuals or the bisexual experience as a whole. In short, they don't know shit. Thanks for listening. Wow, wow.